everybody, welcome back to the Green Light. Green Light Podcast. Podcast. Boom. I was looking at the recording thing on Jackson's, and I thought he wasn't recording it because the bar was moving much more slowly than usual. <laughs> so Sorry. I was like, it's, it's, "Should I come in or not?" It is slightly zoomed. Don't you worry. But we are fully recording, yeah. as you now hear, everyone, because otherwise people <laughs> would not be hearing this portion of the show, this unlistenable portion of the show. But I'm Jackson. I'm Lauren. And what do we do here on The Green Light, Lauren? Well, we read unproduced plays and screenplays and interview the awesome people who wrote them. That's right. And we actually have a special treat for you this week. Because a special treat. This script is 25 pages, mm-hmm. so it's longer it's than boy. what we would normally do, but yeah. at the same time, it's not quite long enough to be one of our road trips. Yeah. So we decided... Uh, because we are, we're probably going to do uh, an episode that's a little different, similar to what we did for Halloween for Thanksgiving. So yeah. we figured we'd give you a longer script this time to yeah. kind of hold you over. Something to chew on a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, but the script that we are reading is Street Lights by Laura Barnes. This actually has been a bit of a long time coming. We've been going back and forth with Laura for a little while. She yeah. actually lives she in was, Australia. She was doing exams, so she, she was. was like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm very busy right now. Which is very <laughs> valid. Lauren and I both freshly out of college, so we know what that is like. But yes. So uh, Laura actually lives in uh, in Australia. In Melbourne. In Melbourne. Yeah. So she is hearing this right now, and any of our other potential Australian listeners are hearing this right now for the first time on Saturday, which is weird for me. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a strange, strange well, deal. There's just such a huge time difference yeah. that, you know, because I looked it up and I was like, oh, that's like 19 hours. They're yeah. like 19 hours ahead of us, which is, is just crazy significant. to me. It is very significant. But that's exciting. So, yeah. you know, t- time is is a construct that we humans create so that we can... To trap ourselves. There you go. All right. It's it's the truth. But anyways, enough enough philosophical talk there. Yeah. Uh, I guess a few housekeeping things. Let's roll through these pretty quick. Follow us on social media, please, at yeah. TGL underscore pod. I'm uh, looking right now to see if we have any new reviews. Cool. Actually, I think we do. We do. I was going back and forth with, a, uh, I believe, a gentleman on Reddit who oh. said they gave us a review. That's nice. Yeah. Um, and I reviewed his podcast back, so it was a nice little back and forth. But yes, give us an iTunes review, please. Be like the our, our friend from Reddit who who gave us a review. Oh, nice. That's nice. Yeah, this person um, said that they listened to our Alien Greenlit preview episode, and they liked it. <laughs> they like the trivia and our drink. So, well, good. Cool. Uh, both of those things we, we, we are it. we are about on the green light here. And if you want to hear more of things like that, more trivia, movie trivia, more drinks, subscribe to our Patreon. Because yeah. we have many, many green lit episodes yeah, where we talk about a movie. Yeah, because I will say, for, uh, for this guy who just listened trivia. to the alien preview episode the full thing is yeah, on patreon that is true so, so you you got part of the trivia portion if you've listened to the preview but for the full thing you get not only the trivia but you also get us rambling for 40 to 45 minutes some about the slightly full movie. buzzed analysis yeah which still very good analysis i would argue <laughs> as as a consumer but that is us what else do we have reviews patreon Socials. We have another podcast. Who was that? The Mass the, Singer podcast. Yes. If you like the Mass Singer, or if you just like reality TV. Yeah, Mass Singer rounding the turn of the season. We're really getting into like the final half. Yeah, true. Which is pretty wild. So well, get on crazy that train too because we were planning on this can. just being a temporary thing, but we we are planning on probably continuing it for the Mass Dancer. Yes. Which looks like it's going to be premiering right after the Mass Singer is over. Thank God. <laughs> so so we won't have to go. <laughs> we'll be doing a single this year round yeah. without a masked celebrity competition show. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fantastic. All right. Anyway. I think that's it. 
Yeah. So I let's get into it. our detours. Our detours of the week. This is where we talk about things we have consumed in the past week. Most likely it's going to be a movie or TV show, or it could also be a book, a play, a 10-year-old video game yep. that we did once. But this, we have three movies for you this week. Yeah. Two of them are... Now, I'm not going to say Christmas movies, because neither of them are strictly Christmas movies. I will They're say holiday, holiday season winter movies. Winter, winter, ho- <laughs> holiday season winter movies. I love that, Lauren. Yeah. Um, Very so PC. <laughs> I, I'd say we sandwich the holiday movies and then have our other movie in the middle. What what is that? Okay. How does that? Sound? Well, that would make it a a non holiday movie sandwich. That's what I because meant. the holiday movies are the bread. Yes, the, have the holiday movies as the bread of this sandwich. Okay, and then our other movie as the Sounds the good. filling, the meat, if you will. All right. Do we okay. want to start with our very new one or our slightly new one? Both of them are very like. Oh, did that that other one just also come out <laughs> yeah, this year? Yeah, we're being very vague. I'd yeah. say we start with the one that I just watched, since the two of okay. them we can end on that we both watched. Holiday is a 2020 Netflix film directed by John Whitesell, written by Tiffany Paulson, starring Emma Roberts, Luke Bracey, Kristen Chenoweth, Francis Fisher, Andrew Bachelor, and Jessica Capshaw. So, this movie, fed up with being single on the holidays, two strangers agree to be each other's platonic plus ones all year long, only to catch real feelings along the way. So, as I said, this film stars Emma Roberts and Luke Bracey, the aforementioned couple who who have agreed they they have not had great luck with relationships, respectively, and they are tired of their family asking about, you know, where where is your you have a date for this holiday, etc. etc. So they decide to just be each other's holiday, as the title implies. And so now on all holidays, they will accompany each other to any family gatherings. Except really, we only see Emma Roberts' family gatherings, like we see nothing of, of Luke Bracey's family gatherings. Oh. <laughs> like I don't I don't know if we see any of his family once. I don't even know if they mention his family. Luke uh Luke Bracey's character's name is Jackson. Fun fact. Oh, interesting. Uh Emma Roberts' character's name is Sloane, so I'll be referring to them as those two names throughout. I'm not going to talk too long about this one. Um this movie, you know that meme where it's like they had us in the first half, I'm not going to lie. Well, they had me in the first half thinking this was a bad movie. <laughs> but the second half of the movie, Lauren saw sort of the end of this, and she's I looking at me. End of it. She's looking at me as if she doesn't agree, and I um, get it. I, I just get it. think that if the ending made you really think it was good, I can't imagine what the first half was. Well, sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> this movie is like a Lifetime movie on Netflix, is what I would say. Oh, or definitely. Like, or like a Hallmark Christmas movie. One of one of those very much sort of. Except it's a little raunchier. I will say than those movies. Well, anything with Kristen Chenoweth, really. <laughs> Kristen Kristen Chenoweth is is very her her sort of deal is she always has a date for the holidays, but it's a new date every single time, and so that's sort of her deal throughout the whole thing. At one point, this isn't necessarily a huge spoilers. She actually steals one of Sloane's Emma Roberts dates, so that's fun. Uh, Kristen Chenoweth is great. Um, the acting is fine in this movie. It, well, it really is interesting. I. The first, first half of the movie, like I said, I'm not going to lie. They had me. I did not like any of the characters. I have to admit. By the end, Lauren, I kind of like the characters. I kind of like their journey. Here's... Now, I, I brought this up with Lauren. If we ever start... Uh, if we ever actually put you videos out on YouTube, which hopefully one day, but... If we ever do, I want to start a series called Why Blank Movie is Actually Good and talk about whether they're good movies or whether they're bad movies. Talk about like the good things about them, why they're good. If I had to do that for this movie, I would say the 
us, the, the audience not liking those characters at the beginning, sort of uh, in the same way as to how they see themselves. They don't like themselves at the beginning. They don't like who they are. They're not happy where they are in our life. As we go throughout the movie, as we grow, as they grow, we start to like them. They start to like themselves. I cannot express to you how hard I just rolled my eyes. <laughs> and you know what? That's fair. So follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We might throw some stuff out <laughs> there. Uh, but yeah, overall, if you're just looking for for a little bit of uh, a holiday cheeseburger, if you will, just a movie that's not going to make you think too hard, but is going to be slightly enjoyable with a group of friends, holidays for you. Yeah. I wanted to talk about it because Netflix has been pushing it pretty hard, and since we watched it, I figured it would be good yeah, to, to talk about. I think it's always good to talk about new stuff. Yeah, yeah. it has a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb. I'd say that's pretty accurate. I'd say that's that's right about where it should be. I, I haven't seen the whole thing, so I you guess You haven't I seen the whole thing? It. Correct. Sorry, Lauren. But I would Sorry. rank it lower, I think. I know you would. I know you would. But Emma Roberts is good. Luke Racy, once again, had me in the first half, but I started to like him later on. So, huh. Holiday, it's on Netflix right now, very accessible, so watch it if that's your thing. Yeah. Alrighty. So, second, this is the sandwich of our sandwich. Yes, um, this, this is the is... meat, which is very appropriate that this is that's the meat, true. I that's think. That's true, that's <laughs> true. So, this is not a holiday movie. Yes. This is um the only one that is not new. Yeah. It is the Arnold Schwarzenegger film, 1985. Commando. Commando. <laughs> So, Commando, written by Mark Lester, uh, no, sorry, directed by Mark Lester, written by Joseph Lieb, Loeb, and Matthew Wiseman, uh, stars, obviously, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and that's really the only person I knew, so that's all we, oh, and- That's the only person you need to know. And a young Alyssa Milano, fun oh, fact. Oh, true, 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 totally yes. forgot about that. I am not totally caught up on my 80s film I stars. didn't even recognize her in this until, yeah. like, someone said, oh, yeah, that's Alyssa Milano. Yeah. Uh, it, it also stars Ray Don Chong, Dan Hedaya, Vernon Wells, Jay Molson, David Patrick Kelly- if any of those names sound familiar, good for you. Uh, but this is movie is about a retired Special Forces colonel who tries to save his daughter who was abducted by his former subordinate. Lauren, what are your thoughts on Commando? This is a good movie. This holds up. It does. And I, I really just find it hilarious that, like, they really found the groove of just giving Arnold one-liners. Yes. And it was to the point where, like, every... Every line. You know, well, not e line. no, not even just his lines. I mean that other people's lines, I'd be like, oh, that was kind of a crappy piece of dialogue. But then it, they literally only said it to set up a one-liner <laughs> for Arnold. All, all of the lines in this movie are either a setup for Arnold's one-liners or are Arnold's one-liners. <laughs> and it, it is incredible. Lauren, I, I uh, just pulled up the, uh, the poster for this. I want you to read what is in the upper left corner. <laughs> Let's party. <laughs> It, this 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 poster has a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, with in a sleeveless vest staring straight ahead with "Let's party" in the corner. And by "Let's party," he means "Let's kill everyone." Yes. This, uh, we're, this we're not going to give away the ending. I mean, you could probably guess you it. You could probably okay. This movie has a kill count comparable to probably the first John Wick movie. in the triple digits. Arnold triple kills, digits really? I think so. But at the end. I don't know. I mean, May the John okay. Wick, I believe okay. the first movie is 71 kills, okay. and then May it goes up from there. I would I would say, in I don't know. 
I would say at I least mean, he over does 50. just kind of like gun down. I would say definitely over 50. Yeah, it, it is it is a large array of people that that Arnold Arnold kills with with weapons. I don't know if he kills any with his hands, with his bare Actually, no, there are multiple people he kills oh, with yeah, his bare hands. Definitely. Actually, for sure. This is like this is peak Arnold. Now, I actually I didn't do enough research. I just love the first time you see Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie, it's just a shot of his bicep. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> that's all you see of him uh-huh, off the bat. Uh-huh. So this how, why do when I look up Terminator on IMDb, I get every other Terminator. So this is this is a year after Terminator. Okay. So this is this is Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. Like he he is jacked to high heaven. This man who has one of the greatest physiques of all time, and you see this it. man did not drink water the entire shoot of yeah, this movie. You you <laughs> see it in this movie. He is he is incredible. He is he is Arnold. If if you like Arnold, you will like this film. That's I I feel like that's pretty a pretty good description of it. Yeah. Um, this was two years after Conan the Barbarian. I guess another one of his big films. A year after Conan the Destroyer. A year after the Terminator. So. This is a it, it is it is right in that wheelhouse. This is when Arnold was busy. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And once again, Arnold's not going to win an Oscar. We know that about him. But he's going to give you those one-liners, and he's going to deliver them in the most perfectly monotone way possible. Love it, <laughs> love it. No, it's just like Arnold Schwarzenegger is a man who has a type. Yeah, and like. Every movie he's in just capitalizes yeah, on it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he is perfectly cast in everything he does. Yeah, including d- Jingle All the Way. Th- this is <laughs> very good, which we probably will be talking about on this probably. show. I would imagine it's my favorite Christmas movie. Yeah, um, but this is kind of like Taken, but before Taken. I was just thinking that I honestly enjoy it better than Taken, just because I like Arnold Schwarzenegger more than I like Liam Neeson. Interesting. I mean, Arnold. Like, not Arnold's that I great. think Arnold's necessarily a better actor. I just enjoy watching Arnold Schwarzenegger more. Sure. Not just because he's hot. I'd say but... this one. This one is like that perfect '80s, like uh, uh, over the top action film. Whereas Taken definitely takes itself more seriously. So I yeah. think it, it probably depends on the vibe that you're looking for. Definitely. But, but it's also just like this is not a. Like, even though it is over the top, it's not one of those movies that I liked because it's so bad it's good. Like, I genuinely yeah. really think it's good. No, I really I agree. enjoyed it. There's some good action sequences. Yeah. You know, um, I actually really liked uh, Cindy, uh, Ray Don Chong, who played uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. lead female in the movie. I thought she was good. She was very much go with the flow. Um, she was like, all right, guess we're stealing a plane now. Yeah, guess like- we're stealing a plane. <laughs> guess you kind of kidnapped me and stole my car, but now I'm on your side pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, it's... um. It, she, but she was good. I thought I thought she was a good actress. I I don't know if I've ever seen her in anything else. But I don't think so. Um, she did good in yeah. this one. Oh, she was in the color purple. Oh, wow, cool. So yeah, uh, this good movie, Commando. It was on HBO Max. Yes. is where we watched it. So not necessarily the most accessible, but if you have an HBO subscription, this is definitely a good one to watch. Well, and I will say too, especially if you can split HBO with other people in yeah. your house or whatever, mm-hmm. like. It's definitely worth getting because there's a lot of great stuff on there, both from their original stuff and just a lot of, you know, like a lot of movies like this. A lot of movies are on HBO. They have a lot of good classics on there. So, yeah. Commando. I'm sure my father will be happy. Shout out, Dad, (laughs) that we are are talking about this one. Great movie. Watch it. HBO Max. Do it. Do it. Okay. Moving on to our final, our, our, the, the top piece of bread on our, uh, on our commando sandwich. Okay. I guess now we can reveal what it is. Yeah. The, the holiday bread. Yeah. I don't know what that would be. So it Fruit is cake? brand new 2020 film. Yes. A lot. We've been talking about, well, not just us, but everyone's been talking about it yes. a lot. This came out, 
a week ago when you're hearing this. Yeah. So very new. Very, very new. Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. Yes. This is a 2020 film, as you know, that just came out on Netflix. A musical film, yeah. as a matter of fact. It's like a mostly black cast, and I know it yeah. has a black writer-director, too. Yes, written and directed by uh, David Talbert. This stars... This cast is actually... Uh, I guess it's decently stacked. Um, uh, Forrest Whitaker, Keegan-Michael Key, Hugh Bonneville, Anika Nani-Rose, Madeline Mills, Felicia Rashad, Ricky Martin, etc., etc., yeah. So, so definitely some recognizable names in there. Um, on Netflix, I don't know if I said that. Did I say that? I think so. Okay. Uh, yeah. Lauren, what do you think of Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey? I thought it was solid. Yeah. I thought it was a fun Christmas movie. I didn't think the music was anything groundbreaking. There aren't any songs that I really, like, specifically remember. Um, uh, I, so now, uh, I'm going to push back a little bit, just a little bit. I think uh, we talked about... Over the Moon? Over the Moon, a couple weeks ago. Well, because my, I think the music in this was a little better than Over the Moon, but again, still not groundbreaking. However, sure. I haven't seen a new holiday musical in a long time, Yeah. so I appreciate its existence. I feel like, it, yeah, that's kind of a thing of old that really hasn't, yeah. hasn't resurfaced. Well, especially live action ones. Like, yeah. I think, because, you know, I mean, there's like White Christmas. That's really all I can think of, of like live action holiday musicals. Sure. Because a lot of the ones that have music are like the stop motion ones that I grew up with. Sure, like that's fair. Like Rudolph and yeah. uh, Year Without a Santa Claus Rudolph. and stuff. Santa Claus is coming to town. All those good ones. Rudolph. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I I think I like this the music a little bit more than Lauren, and I'd say it's uh, a decently bit. I like this music decently better than Over the Moon. There are a couple one songs that I think I'll remember. Uh, everyone had a good voice. I think. Yeah, I think that, everyone was very good. I for think sure. that. I think that's something that. Uh, I think. I guess this and Over the Moon, for the most part, did a good job of this. I think in some, especially live action movies, they the, cast people who can't sing. Correct, and and it makes me angry. <laughs> in case you couldn't tell, it makes Lauren angry. But I thought <laughs> I'm everyone, adding you, Ryan Gosling, <laughs> including people who surprised me, like Forrest Whitaker. I was surprised at his voice. Yeah, he, and one of his songs are actually the one the ones that. I have stuck with me so far. Um, this is a lot of fun. It has a lot of that joy, a lot of that wonder that you're looking for in a Christmas. And it's a Christmas musical. I thought the choreography was outstanding. Yeah, I thought the I choreography really, was good. I, I really liked the choreography. The characters are good. The story's good. I thought the main little girl was really good. She was fantastic. Um, I thought she was great. The, now, the only people... Okay, because this is like kind of a story within a story, right? Yeah. So there's like oh, two yeah. kids and a grandma that we see pretty much just at the beginning and the end. Yeah. And TBH, I thought the kids were kind of terrible. The <laughs> Those ki two kids. And granted, we see them for probably a total of three minutes. But I just so don't think they were necessary at time. all. Yeah, I mean, I... Uh, I didn't need it to be a story within a story. Sure, I guess it, it sort of adds to that, oh, sitting around a fire reading a... a Christmas story together. But then at the end, they were just like, Even also, though, here's this factory that somehow you've never noticed before yeah. right out the window. I was like, okay. Yeah, that one was kind of <laughs> wild. Um, also, I, I will say this. It says Jingle Jingle, A Christmas Journey. It's I not really Christmas. It's more it, like snowy weather. It's like, yeah, this one is like a winter movie. I don't know. Do they mention Christmas that much? I think I it, feel like they, they might have like a little bit of Christmas decorations. They yeah. mention that he has to have the money or an invention by, by Christmas. By Christmas? 
But it's just like, yeah, they I don't wouldn't say it's really harp about on the Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, I get, you could still consider this a Christmas movie. I guess he is a toy maker, so like that sort yeah. of goes along with the, the, the Christmas theme. But still very good. Yeah. Very, this movie is is cozy to the max. Yeah, I also say one person I really want to highlight, I don't know the actress's name, but um, the male woman. Oh. The very thirsty male woman. She, she was great. <laughs> she was she great. Was, <laughs> she was easily... 30 years younger than Forrest Whitaker. Oh, yeah. Forrest Whitaker's character. Forrest Whitaker's character is named Jeronicus, by the way. Oh, yeah. Great Jeronicus Jangle. And Keegan-Michael Key Gustafson. Two great names. But, yes, the, the male lady really, really had a liking to Jeronicus. Yeah. And and she had, had no problem making notes. She had some of the best songs. Her songs were great. And also, she just, like, had... Um, was it a quartet or a trio? Trio. Okay, yeah, she trio, just had a trio, uh, a trio of, of gentlemen, singer dancers. In in what were they? Were they plaid? Wing. Were they plaid? I think so. Or like checkered, plaid or checked jackets. Checkered uh, suits, suits. Yeah, full not, suits, not just jackets that were just sort of like her her, her hired hands. Yeah, <laughs> for, that just sang and danced wherever she went. It was her great entourage. It was yeah, great. it was it was. Th- this is a good one for sure. Um, a, a good family one also. Yeah. So, and a Christmas movie movie musical, which once again, we at least haven't seen in a while and don't really have a ton to begin with. So definitely worth watching. This yeah. one's on Netflix. Another one super accessible. So yeah, that's good. That was a solid, I think, detours. Two fun new ones and a yeah. fun old one. There you go. Yeah. Anything so, else you have to mention about any of these films? Aren't? Um, I don't think so. Oh, one thing I wanted to just mention about our play that we're about to read. Yes, please. So, um, like we said, our playwright is from Australia. Yes. There is some Australia. terminology in this play that is kind of Australia specific. So, for example, you might hear the word torches. That means flashlights, not, you know, actual torches with fire on them. Yes. Um. We did, just because it is kind of long, we did get the okay from her to do, just use our regular American accents so we don't sound ridiculous yes. because, you know, our Australian accents are not quite realistic. Shrimp on the barbie. Okay. Yeah, it's bad, in case you couldn't anyway, tell. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, so just so you know, if you hear something that sounds a little bit strange or some lingo that sounds a little bit strange for an American to say, that's why. Yes. Um, but yeah, when but, we come back, we'll be reading Streetlights yes. by Laura Barnes. And by the way, this episode, once again, banger. This yeah. one's a banger. Yeah, the interview's really solid, too. And so the make sure you stay great. tuned. Banger. <laughs> All right. See you soon. Welcome back to the Green Light. Green Light. All right. So like we said, we are reading Street Lights by Laura Barnes today. Uh, you might notice it's just us because, like we said, this is a longer script, but it's not super stage direction heavy. We actually had Will come in and record those stage directions that were yes. Jackson is very nobly going to splice together. <laughs> it, this uh, is a, a heavy editing episode. This, this is, this is going to be a big one, folks, but I do it for all of you. Yeah. So you're welcome. If you want to pay me back quite literally, subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> uh, but if not, sit back, relax, and enjoy Streetlights by Laura Barnes. I'm driving through the desert at night. Light pools are blinking in and out, but it's mostly stars and new moons and red dirt and the wind rushing through the windows open, hair in my face. Even when it's empty, for miles, the hum of electricity never leaves the nighttime, and I can taste the ozone and smell the rich scent of the nickel. It hits the back of my throat, seeps into my bones, and I can't forget where I am. It tastes like blood. 
I look over and he's there in the passenger seat and I look again and I'm alone. Desert dreams invading my senses and tears flying off my face as I drive, drive, drive away from here. Sometimes the corrugation under your wheels can sound like a conversation happening all around, my brain turning senseless noise into patterns, into speech, into more nothing. But this nothing has flavor. Dust, loneliness, aliens, extraterrestrials. I truly believe we are not alone out here. How else can I always hear it with me? How can the distant spots of light always exist? Street lights, safe havens, or something else? I want to be abducted. People have been going missing. More than seems right for a town of this size. Sure, people run away to the city all the time, but not usually without telling someone. At least it was just fringe dwellers. People who no one really missed. I like to think people would care about me if I went missing. As much as I want to be abducted, I want to be missed, you know? Not forgotten, like a cigarette butt flicked out a window, gone in the wind, and never thought about again. Well, that isn't totally true. I think about them. I think about where they're meeting nature again. Which native animal is going to mistake it for food and end up with a stomach full of orange-wrapped cigarette filters? But most people don't think about that. Most people forget. Who knows? Maybe they will forget me. When I finally go home to the stars. Before. Scene one. A phone ringing in the darkness. Hushed voices. Hey, you still on for storming the base tonight? Storming is a strong verb. (laughs) Well, they deserve to be stormed. They're keeping aliens a secret. Calm down, Anna. This isn't the fucking X-Files. I know it isn't. Jesus, Liam. Are you coming or not? Redback Ridge at ten. Done. Two spots fade up on stage. They are streetlights, safe havens of vision amongst the pitch-black desert. Two people are on stage. Liam is well-presented. Anna is somewhat disheveled. She's not holding together. You're late. I had to sneak out. Not all of us have parents who don't give a fuck. Rude. Roll me one, would you? Roll it yourself. Ah, come on. Liam rolls cigarettes. One each. How nice. We going? Yeah. Come on, I know the way. It's bloody dark. I brought torches. The torches flicker to life. Torches are the only light during this scene. So what exactly are we looking for? Big signs that say, aliens here, crop circles and non-existent crops, or just a cheeky UFO spotting? I told you to stop making fun. Aliens are real, can't you tell? Haven't you noticed all the weird shit going on in town? Why are you so insistent? Aliens aren't real. They're not real. And when did you suddenly become a man of science? Besides, you came. You're welcome to leave. Silence. Did you know the first alien abduction in Australia was in the Nullarbor Desert? An alien abduction in a desert. Why am I not surprised? The family saw all these flashing colored lights and then lost five hours of time. It's the Nullarbor. Are you sure it wasn't just the Aurora Australis? It doesn't get that far north. Besides, it's cool. Don't diss my fun facts. Alien facts aren't fun. Are so. Are not. You suck. (laughs) They both break into laughter. The relationship and banter is easy, and mostly comes naturally. Will you let me drive you out here next time? I am not getting in your death trap. No matter how many times you tell me, it got roadworthy on the first go. Take anything to Murph and he'll give it to you. He didn't give Justin his. Yeah, because Justin's car was missing the muffler. If all bits are there, it's, ah, yeah, she'll be roadworthy. <sighs> You're such a cunt. It's a nice car. The suspension is too low for desert driving. Only if you don't know how to drive it. Which you don't. Do so. I learned to drive in the desert. Yeah, and a car with so much clearance, I could practically stand underneath it. Whatever. I'll get you around eventually. 
Holy shit, did you see that? See what? That. Sirens blare. Blackout. Scene one. A phone ringing in the darkness. Hushed voices. Hey, you still on for storming the base tonight? Storming is a strong verb. Well, they deserve to be stormed. They're keeping aliens a secret. Calm down, Anna. This isn't the fucking X-Files. I know it isn't. (laughs) Jesus, Liam. Are you coming or not? I can't. Sorry. Lexi's coming over. Oh, okay. Scene two. Streetlights are back. It is normal. Ash it. Ash yourself. I just lit mine. Stop being so pedantic then. It just makes me uncomfortable. The unashed smoke or a woman not doing what you say. Low blow. And yet you don't deny. You know it's not true. Do I? Name three women you respect in your life. You? Lexi? My mom. Okay, name three more. Man. I'm just not friends with as many girls, you know? Mm-hmm. Dig the hole deeper. Come on. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Whew. It's a cold night. But before I moved here, I thought the desert was always hot. Red sand and heat lines off asphalt. To be honest, I thought anywhere not in the city was. By not being near the city, hotter. Certainly not a man of science, then. (laughs) When I used to go camping as a kid, we always went cold places. In my mind, the desert was the foil to that. Two different kinds of wild. And I get here, night falls, and the cold never left my bones. Maybe you just have shit circulation. Did I ever tell you about Ned Dwyer? No. So you did scouts. You know the deal. Everyone's up talking after lights out. Cubs was the same, only lights out was earlier. 6 p.m. bedtime in the dead of winter. So we're playing Truth or Dare or something, some game, and having an absolute blast. And then, enter Ned Dwyer. Out of nowhere, from the deepest, darkest back corner of the tent, we hear... Guys, it's 6.30, go to sleep. (laughs) Before he sulked for the rest of the night. (laughs) We absolutely lost our shit. (laughs) I miss scouts, oh man. Time passes. Liam and Anna lie on the floor, smoking, stargazing. Relationships are hard. Relationship is a bit of a strong word, isn't it? Besides, they'd be probably less hard if you'd stop sleeping with him. Don't, I'm trying to stop. So... Stop. You say it like it's that simple. It is. What's your perfect partner? Hmm? Like, the most ideal person you could ever be with? Your dream girl, or guy? Well, not my ex. Someone whose Static rises and overtakes the conversation. Scene two. They sit facing each other in the streetlights. This is an honest conversation. Why aliens? What? Why aliens? Why not Bunyip or Australia's answer to the Bigfoot? Well, I've always believed in aliens. Ever since I was little and my dad read me a picture book about visitors from Mars. The universe is bigger than the mind can comprehend, so it only makes sense that something's out there. But but why not anything else? Well, I was always kind of into David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson. No, it's because of the how big the universe is thing. Whilst, like, the Australian folklore could be true, sure, I could believe in it. I feel like aliens have science on their side. And when did you become a woman of science? Shut up. I may have failed year 10 physics, but I could tell you space facts all day. Like, did you know there's believed to be at least 200 billion galaxies in the universe? 
or that the biggest star we know of is a hundred times bigger than the sun, and that when the sun dies, hopefully all of mankind will have already destroyed itself into extinction through global warming, because by golly, that won't be a fun death. That's why I don't want kids. So I can't contribute a bloodline to the heat death of the sun in a billion years. That's bullshit. It's not. Ask my mom. Or, like, don't. Please don't. Just take my word for it, okay? I reckon I still want kids one day. They can make their own choice about our bloodline and the heat death of the sun. I know Lexi wants kids. Since when are you and Lexi dating? We're not. Well, not yet. Not yet, huh? Anna is trying to hide how much this terrifies her. She succeeds in obscuring it from Liam, but not the audience. Liam is oblivious anyway, now lost in thoughts about Lexi. Scene 3 Liam and Anna lie together, space between them. They're watching the X-Files. The audio from Season 1, Episode 1 is played. Mulder and Scully meeting for the first time. Liam echoes Scully in bolded moments. Anna echoes Mulder, also in the bolded moments. Sorry. Nobody down here but the FBI's most most unwanted. unwanted. Agent Mulder. I'm Dana Scully. I've been been assigned assigned to work work with you. you. Oh, isn't it nice to be suddenly so highly regarded? So did you tick off to get stuck with this detail, Scully? Actually, I'm looking forward to working with you. I've heard a lot about you. Oh, really? I was under the impression... That you you were were sent to spy on on me. If you have any doubt about my qualifications or credentials, that You're a medical doctor. You teach at the academy. You do an undergraduate degree in physics. Einstein's twin paradox. A new interpretation. Dana Scully's senior thesis. Now that's credential, rewriting Einstein. Did you bother, bother to, to read, read it? it? I did. I liked I it. I liked it. So in most of my work, the laws of physics rarely seem to apply. Maybe I can get your medical opinion on this, though. Oregon female, age 21, no explainable cause of death. Autopsy shows nothing. Zip. There are, however, these two distinct marks on her lower back. Dr. Scully, can you ID these marks? Needle punctures, maybe? An animal bite? Electrocution of some kind? Here's your chemistry. This is a substance found in the surrounding tissue. It's organic. I don't know, is it some kind of synthetic protein? Beats me. I've never seen it before either. But here it is again in Sturgis, South Dakota. And again in Shamrock, Texas. Do you have a theory? I have plenty of theories. Maybe what you can explain to me is why it's bureau policy to label these cases as unexplained phenomenon phenomenon and and ignore ignore them. them. Do you you believe believe in the the existence of extraterrestrials? Logically, I would have to say no. Given the distances needed to travel from the far reaches of space, the energy requirements would exceed a spacecraft's capabilities that conventional wisdom. wisdom. You know this Oregon female? She's the fourth person in her graduating class to die under mysterious circumstances. Now when the convention and science offer us no answers, might we not finally turn to the fantastic as a plausibility? The girl obviously died Died of of something. something. If it was natural causes, it's plausible that there was something missed in the post-mortem. If she was murdered, it's plausible there was a sloppy investigation. What I find fantastic is any notion that there are answers beyond the realm of science. The answers are there. You just have to know where to look. That's why they put the I in FBI. See you tomorrow morning, Scully. Bright and early. We leave for the very plausible state of Oregon at 8 a.m. 
She smiles and walks out. Scene 4. A phone rings. Got desert time tonight? Would you be up for something a little different? Gotta be honest, probo not. Fine, I'll do desert. Bring a backpack and your torch. Not your phone, the equipment messes with it. I'll have walkie-talkies. Where the fuck did you get walkie-talkies? They were my mom's. Vintage, whatever, they work. I've tested them. Jesus, Anna, where is this coming from all of a sudden? No phones going out to the desert every other night? Does it matter? You don't believe me. But I'm your friend and I'll come along. Better than sitting around at home. Exactly. Redback Ridge at 10? The sun needs to be fully down. Sure. I'll see you then. Redback Ridge, 1015. You're late. Sorry. Traffic was bad. Whatever. Come on, I found some satellite images online. We've been going the complete wrong direction. Big surprise. Fuck off. It's this way. You sure? You don't want to cross-reference your satellite images with the current locations of the Zodiac? Are you just going to make fun of me? Because you can go. You drove. Drive off again. No, it's... I'll stop. Fine. There's silence as they move through the desert. Stop! What? Shh, stay here. Anna, stop touching me. I'm not... The walkie-talkies begin to blare static. Are you doing this? Did you set this up? No, I'm... What's going on? Liam? Liam! Strobe lights come on, and sound reaches peak. Blackout. Lights up. Anna is alone on stage. During. Scene 5. Anna is in the desert, alone. She smokes. The movements and motions of the earlier desert scene repeat. Liam is missing and it's super fucked up. Like, he just... vanished. No goodbye, no closure, that's for fucking sure. And it's like, I didn't realize how much space he took up, but suddenly he's gone and there's a void. No more goofing off on the ridge. No more sneaky darts and childhood stories. I can't even cook him dinner. Not that I was any good, but I'd offer, you know? Principle of the thing. And he just up and vanished. I spent days crying. Well, not really days. Life pushes on. It keeps going and going and dragging on through the sludge and thick shit and crying in the dingy work bathroom through all of it. Whenever I cross Second Street, all I can think of is him. And my chest and lungs seize up. I don't want to take another step closer, but I have to. Work is on the other side. And so I do. And inside I'm a wreck and I keep my head down and try not to breathe too hard because maybe, maybe this time I won't make it. If I do breathe too hard... That is. I go stiff as a corpse. Can barely make my legs move. I'm not sure whether I'm scared of his memory or what. Anna's phone rings. The ringtone is UFO by Sneaky Sound System. Oh, hey, Justin. Now just going out to the desert. Maybe you could come help me look. They're not sending out search parties anymore. Don't. He's not like that. This isn't like him. What kind of question is that? I'm out of my mind, that's what I am. What do I do? I can hardly sit still. I can't see continuing without him, but that's becoming a reality and it's killing me, Justin. Ripping me apart. Scene 6. Anna curls in a ball on the side of the room, rocking back and forth. There are moments in the dialogue where she may overlap, repeat, or say Liam's lines simultaneously. The terms alien abduction or abduction phenomenon describe subjectively real memories of being Being taken taken. secretly unwillingly by apparently unhuman figures, aliens, aliens, and subjected to complex physical and psychological procedures. 
People claiming to be abducted are usually called abductees or experiencers. Typical claims involve being subjected, subjected to forced, forced medical, medical examinations, examinations that emphasize abductee reproductive systems. Poke, prod, dream, spit, bite, tear. No. Abductees sometimes claim to have been warned, warned against, against environmental, environmental abuse and the dangers of nuclear, nuclear weapons. weapons. Most scientists and mental health professionals dismiss, dismiss the phenomena. Fake. Describing the experiences as deception, deception suggestibility, personality, personality sleep, sleep paralysis, psychopathology, psychodynamics, and environmental factors. The first reported abduction in Australia was the case of the Westall family in 1963. While staying in a tiny outpost in the Nullarbor Desert, Gail Westall and her three sons noticed mysterious lights emerging over a nearby ridge. Flooring the car to get away, the family reports it was pulled into the air. Their next memories are of arriving in the next town five hours later. A Westall son stated, When the car went up, it felt like my brain was being sucked out. Skeptics dismiss this as a freak, freak weather, weather occurrence, occurrence or, or drug-induced drug fantasy. Liam leaves the stage. Anna unfurls. I cross the town and I can't breathe. Everything reminds me of him, like I'll turn the corner and see him. It's irrational. I cross one street and he owns it, in my mind. He owns it and it squeezes my chest until I can't breathe. Like I'll vomit my insides out from me and my eyes will bulge and my skin will peel back and expose every raw, fresh nerve. Blood pouring, screaming at air. There's a shallow grave at Redback Ridge. I know it's there. I saw it. The desert stretched for miles and miles and miles, and I walked through it, through brush and sand and loose rocky outcrops. I found the grave, and I dug, and I uncovered, I don't know, a body? A shift. Sand. Grit. Cold. Redback Ridge. Lights. Lights. So many lights. Cold ozone. Metal and nickel and sharp. Red dirt buried underneath my fingernails and I dig and I dig and I dig and I need to find what's in this grave. I need to find it now or else or else I'll I don't want to get used to it. Liam lies on stage. He's the alien body. There are sudden klaxons. Area restricted. This area is restricted by You are to leave the area immediately. Any intelligence of this location will be prosecuted. Leave immediately. Trespassers will be prosecuted. Area restricted. This area is restricted by... You are to leave this area immediately. Any intelligence of this location will be... Prosecuted. Leave immediately. Trespassers will be prosecuted. Scene 7. Anna exists in a void. Her room, her mind, a shifting, glitched version of sneaky sound systems UFO plays. Anna dances. Anna digs up the body. She speaks as the song plays. As the song approaches its end, a static hum rises up. I'm in the desert and this can't be it. This can't be the body. My ears are still ringing from the klaxons and patterns are dancing from the lights and I trip over a hand and I, and I, and I, I have to dig. I scrape the dirt, shove aside the dust, ignore the red growing under my fingernails. I think I can see a face, but it's dark and I don't have a torch and I do not wish for light and I pray that this is someone else's body. I pray that he is alive. I pray... Lights are blinking across my vision. Is it a trick? No, there are lights. There is wind. I am weightless. The lights are above me, but I won't believe it. I am the least skeptical person in this entire town, and here is proof staring me in the face, and I won't believe it. I don't want to believe it. I don't want a fucking UFO right now. I just want my friend back. Why did I think I would be vindicated? I'm not vindicated. He's here in a shallow grave, and there's something above me, and I am just... empty. After... 
scene eight. On stage, a gurney. Liam is in it, unconscious. Anna sits next to him on the phone. Yeah, just out in the desert, wandering, delirious. They induced him when they brought him in. Dehydration, yeah, but also really didn't want to come in. I haven't... Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, hold on. Anna rummages for a stethoscope. Okay, two secs. She places the stethoscope on his chest. She is shocked. Frantically, she moves the stethoscope all across his chest before going back on the phone call. There's... Justin, he has no heartbeat. I put the stethoscope on his chest and all I hear is static. I don't... No, he's not dead. Like, static. Literal static. The phone slips from her grip. What are you? Scene 9. I don't understand what's wrong with him. He has no vital signs, nothing we can pick up. But he's alive. His chest is rising and falling, and he is warm, and you can feel his pulse. But when we use the stethoscope or any equipment, it's just like static. There are no results. I've never seen anything like this in my 30 years of medicine. But what about the bruises? They're all over his chest. I wish I could explain it. It's a mystery. It's very similar to the patterning we see after the vehicles on pedestrian collisions, without any of the associated internal injuries. Scene 10. Anna speaks to Liam. I can't make sense of it. Of you. You're back, but you're wrong. Not that... You went missing. Of course it's not back to normal in a snap, but... This is something else. I look at you and it's like looking at an oil slick. Shiny and slimy, something inhabiting a husk. That's the only explanation. I'm fucking angry at you. How could you... You go and do this without me? But even even doing it in the first place, I'm angry. Betrayal, that's what it is. This was This was my dream and you take it and you fuck it up. You come back, you come back wrong and not and unreal. Scene 11. Lights flicker and go off. Liam is sitting up as they come back up. He opens his mouth and an inhuman screech comes out. It is directed at Anna. Lights out. Lights up. He is laying down again. God damn it. God damn it. God damn it. Could this have happened a month later? God, that sounds selfish. But why now, Liam? I have exams. We... Is it my fault? Were you angry at me? I'm not angry at you. We... We can fix this. I'm sorry. Okay? I didn't mean anything by it. I'll change. I'll be better. I... I'll apologize. I feel bad. Platitudes can't fix this. I've got nothing left in me. You had enough left to be nasty. I didn't mean it. But you did it. But you know me. I wouldn't. Yes, you would. Yes, I would. Only you're usually my partner in crime. There was only room for two. God, I hate you. She was so hurt. And what about me? Blackout. A static drone. Scene 12. The gurney has moved. Anna lays on it. She is fitful and convulsing. Liam stands at the sides and watches blankly. You knew. I knew. You didn't. I knew. And yet... I never. But... What? You knew. I should have. No. No? But I tried. It didn't. Didn't it? Selfish. That's selfish. I thought. We shared a bed. We're friends. Are we? Not anymore. No. Were we? How could... Were we? Were we? All gone. I think that's best. 
Every conversation. If I'd realized... Every story. I didn't mean... Every thought. If I could... Sound reaches peak. Dirt. Blackout. Scene 13. On the phone. Hey, what are you up to tonight? I finished work at 7, so I figured we could grab a bite and head to the ridge. Can you do before 7 at all? Lexi's coming by at 8, and I need to get ready. You know what? Never mind. Don't know why I bother anymore. I know I've been a shit friend recently. Yeah. I'm sorry for not believing you. Yeah. It's only... There's a shift. She's so nice. Really great. I see her and it's like the world lights up. Well, Lexi's coming over. I never... We don't sleep much when she's over. I forget the timing. Need to work on that. And me and Lexi kind of have a thing. I met her friends. They like me. They're kind of, well, becoming my friends now. It's really nice. You know, sometimes friends and significant others don't get along. I mean, really, really like her. That's normal, to have difference. So I think it's best if we don't speak anymore. For the best. So fucking forgive me for feeling like you've been fucking abducted by aliens or something. That's what it's like. What's wrong with you? I've been freaking out about this. About you not getting on. And you... I I can't. Scene 14. Hey, can you tell your girlfriend and them and everyone else to stop messaging me? I just need some time and space. Like, just a bit, please. You have the whole fucking desert. I'm busy, okay? I said I'd message her soon. After work settles down and school's off my back, I just need time. I haven't even been out to the ridge. For the record, I didn't ask Lexi to message you. She was worried. Well, I don't need the worry, okay? Consider it gone. Honestly, Anna, I think the time for reconciliation is over. The fight goes out of Anna. She's been punched in the stomach. What? You said next week, two weeks ago, and not even a message. A placeholder, something. I've been busy. That's not an excuse. How? You know I've been pulling double shifts. And you couldn't send a single message. It's not that simple. No? No, I've been a nervous wreck. Everything, everything I have went into making it out of bed and into work and not killing myself in between. I don't think we should be friends anymore. Is this really what this is about? Or is this just the excuse? I don't think... We can be friends anymore. Scene 15. The doctors say he died last night. Properly died. No coming back. Stiff kind of dead. I don't really want to see the body. I'll just... I'll wait until the funeral and throw my handful of red dirt and just... I want to go back to my safe pools of the orange-yellow light. Standing out in the desert from miles away, teeny little spots interrupting the darkness like a full stop. Ellipses, spread out over the highway and isolated. I never knew losing a friend was so violent. When you drift apart, it's different, like reaching a fork in the road, and the two streams diverge there, and you were once together and now separate, and it's natural and expected. But the sudden loss is different. It's waking up one day and missing a limb. Scene 16. Sneaky Sound System's UFO plays in the background, getting louder over the course of this scene. It's a direct foil to Anna. Scalpel. Anna slices down the center of Liam's chest. Autopsy report. External examination. The body is that of a 186-centimeter, 89-kilogram white male who appears to be the recorded age of 21 years. The body is clad in a white gown. The scalp is covered in long brown hair that he should have cut, 
There is thick brown facial hair on the chin and lip regions. Internal examination. The muscles of the chest and abdominal wall are The subcutaneous tissues are dry. In the left chest wall is The organs are in their usual anatomical positions. They're not. Lie. The lungs are well aerated. There is some lateral adhesion of the right ventricle to the right lateral portion of the pericardial sac. The ribs have trauma. The brain has trauma. The mind has trauma. Cardiovascular system. The heart is missing. The chest cavity has multiple incised stab wounds present. The heart is missing. The heart is missing. The heart is missing. The heart is... Neck. I always fucking hated his neck. Blackout. Interlude. Lights flicker and Liam sits up in bed. Lights flicker back and he sits down. Scene 16. Continuation of autopsy. Scalpel. Interior organs. None of the subject's internal organs appear in the correct position. It appears they have been removed and then replaced. All vessels appear to be connected. Bodily function could be considered normal if not for death. There is an abnormality in the cardiovascular system. The heart is missing. It appears to have been removed with clean incisions. Medical accuracy. End of interior analysis. Scene 17. Are you scared of me now? I was. Then I saw inside you. I don't think I am anymore. The static is comforting now. Like white noise. You vanish or fade and I'm calmer now. I'm still afraid of you. Is my static that loud? Block it out. Just forget we ever had anything. You can do it. You'll find it easy. I promise. Coda. Liam speaks on the phone. He is happy. Yeah, yeah. I'll see you soon. I love you. Bye. I, I gotta... Bye! He texts. He is normal. This is Liam. They meet. Oh. Hi. Hey. Didn't expect to see you here. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking something up for Lexi. Right. Right. Listen... I should go. In a hurry. Got work. Right. Well, it's been, um, a while. You too. Everybody, welcome back to the Green Light. Green Light. We are here with our writer of the week, Laura Barnes, who wrote Street Lights. So, Laura, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. It's the weather's really nice here, so I'm pretty glad. And now, tell everyone where here is for you. Um, here is Melbourne, Australia. So got that is amazing. It is going on. Yeah, <laughs> Green Light International Edition. There you um, go. You, you're. It's Monday in Australia, right? Yes, that it's is Monday. So, that is something that I just, I, I understand theoretically, but will never be actually able to wrap my mind around because it is still Sunday here in, in LA. It is. So uh, that's just, we're, we're time traveling here on this episode. Lots there you of, go. Lots of supernatural things here on this episode. <laughs> um, so uh, without further ado, let's jump into it. Give us your writer origin story, Laura. How did you get started writing? Oh, man. Um, so I've been writing since I was a little kid um, and kind of on and off. And like English was always my best subject in school kind of thing. Um, and then I started working in the backstage side of theatre and started being like, 
whoa, I really like plays. Hmm. Um, and while I was overseas, I started trying to write scripts and initially they were film scripts and they kind of were slowly evolving into um, stage shows until I eventually um, Streetlights was the first full-length play I actually wrote. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and it took probably about four years from, like, idea inception to actually executing it um, and went through, like, a lot of changes. But, um, yeah, that's kind of where I started and mostly it's mostly working in theatre has been really um, helpful for me. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I am impressed that this is your first full-length play. I was about I'm to a say big fan of this one. The same thing. Yeah, totally. But you you can tell that also a lot has gone into it, which makes sense for, for like sure. that for like that long writing process. But kudos to you for this being your first play. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Maybe my first Thank full-length you. play will be this good. <laughs> Whenever I get to writing it, maybe. There you go. <laughs> so so we have well, specifically, I had a couple of different <laughs> theories of what happened in this script lauren's been labbing up some theories right so (laughs) so my my main theory is that you know he was never actually abducted by aliens and this is just sort of a metaphor she's come up with to deal with losing his friendship and growing apart from him but after reading through it again because i read through it a second time to um write the questions and then of course we're going to read through it again to record it um i thought maybe there was Something with, you know, so so we have that scene right at the beginning that happens twice, right? And uh, goes mm. goes a different way the second time. And I was wondering maybe if that created alternate timelines. So there was Ooh. one scenario where he did get abducted and another one where she lost him all the same, but he was lost because, you know, he, he got a girlfriend that she didn't get along with and they just weren't friends anymore. So... If you don't mind spoiling it for us, which one did actually happen? Um, so when I wrote it, it was the first one, mm. but I absolutely love the alternate timelines theory <laughs> and I love so much. And so maybe when I, cause it's still like obviously a bit of a work in progress and it's like, I'm still working on it all the time. Um, so maybe next time I can do it with that in mind and see how that changes things. Wow. Okay. Well, look at you, Lauren. <laughs> we got a, a, I, I, we're interviewing a couple writers today, Lauren and Laura. No. <laughs> no, that that is really interesting though, and I guess it's um, yeah, it's it's cool and just thinking about how that changes the story depending on which one is true. You know, whether whether mm. it is just in her mind or whether it is like there are these two alternate universes or whether it actually does happen and he does get abducted. You know, I think that's sort of a, a cool way to take it. It maybe depending on the production is taken in one or another one of those directions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. So good job, Lauren. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, moving on a little bit. So this is a, 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 there are a lot of abstract moments and this is a pretty abstract piece overall. So what do you sort of envision for like the design of this play? Like, are there different backdrops uh, with the different light changes or is this just sort of like a black straight up black box with like black boxes on the stage, something like that? Um, so the design that I kind of thought about and like, cause in backstage work, I do lighting design as well. So Ooh, cool. um, whenever I write plays, I'm thinking a lot about the lighting um, and how the technical elements work. Um, but I envision it as like black box theatre carpeted in red dirt. 
Um, and just, I know I say two in the script, but um, someone was like, if you put three spotlights, three street lights on the stage, that would be really cool because you can like use it in different ways. And I was like, whoa. Um, so like three street lights coming straight down and that's predominantly how most of it is lit and presented. Um, so that's how I've always kind of visualised it, like quite bare um, and like working with the dialogue more than having like literal interpretations of the locations and stuff like that. Yeah, Absolutely. I really like that. I actually think looking back on it now, I think you can definitely tell that this is written by someone with experience with lighting design because there, there are a lot of mentions to the way light is used and, and things like that. It's really cool and something that I think probably a lot of playwrights don't think about. Um, when, when you write, is that always something that's sort of on your mind? Like, are you always thinking about how you can use lighting to, to, make, this, uh, to make this more you, to make this more in, in the world of the play, etc.? hundred percent like um in another thing I wrote there was like a little scene where it goes from um like the sun is like still in the sky to like it becomes nighttime um and that's like over the course of the scene the light is meant to shift with it um and the fact that I, that was in the stage directions at all I think speaks to how much light um how much I think about light when I'm like writing and planning things um because I think visually um and I think in like terms of also like this is what it would look like as I write which for for someone who does that it's got uh, Streetlights has amazingly few stage directions yeah <laughs> um, but yeah so that that's kind of where I come from. No, awesome. yeah, that 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 totally makes sense. That yeah. totally makes sense. I had I had something that I was gonna say, and then I totally lost it. So we could keep going, but okay. it's something on lights. <laughs> if I start screaming about lights in the middle of a question, you'll know why. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about Anna. So we get a few hints about her personal life. We know that she works a lot. Maybe she doesn't have the best family life. Um, Wait, she might I, not be. Oh, okay. Can I, stop you? I, I remember what I was going to say. Okay. okay. <laughs> so uh, just real quick, that, that what you were talking about and just using lighting, I feel like really goes back to um, something that we talk about a lot of this podcast, which is accessibility and being able to do I was plays everywhere. I was going to talk about that. Yes. And you know me, Lauren. <laughs> I love accessibility. Um, so I, I love that, you know, obviously lights are expensive in themselves, but, you know, a lot of theaters or places places where you would be doing this have built-in lights. So you can use what is already in the space and you don't have to add extra things. You know, it, lighting is something that you mm. can easily do with little resources. And so I love, and but it's also something that you can really convey a lot of things with. So I love the use yeah. of that. Sorry, rant over, back to the questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so getting back to Anna. So we know that, you know, she works a lot. She maybe doesn't have the best family life. She might not be super financially secure based on her barely roadworthy car. Um, so all of this about Anna, why has she fixated on Alien so much? Um, I think Anna fixated on Aliens because it is something bigger than herself that she can believe in. Um, and something probably deep down she knows will never, like, be confirmed one way or the other, and so she can hold on to that, um, mm. like, that kind of in-between space um, 
and defend it. Um, yeah, I, that's where the aliens comes from. Also, I wanted to write a play about aliens, so it's like a little bit of that too. <laughs> it does totally. fit in. Yeah. Totally. Both of those answers are great, but that first one was awesome. I love that no, answer. Yeah. I love, and you know that that speaks to I feel like a lot of our desires as as human beings. Yeah, we just want to have something to believe in. Yeah, for sure. Man, great answer, Laura. Wow, great answer. <laughs> All right, now we talked about Anna. Let's talk a little bit about Liam. So, you know, obviously we see Anna suffering a lot from the loss of their friendship, but there are also hints that, like, Liam really misses her too and misses what they had. So talk more about their relationship and about what Liam is going through in real life over the course of the play. Um, so in the very first draft, there was a lot less hints of Liam missing her and Liam Liam was a lot more I think one-dimensional and more um and just like a thing that was happening to Anna rather than a friend um but as I developed it more he became more of a real person and more of a like someone who is really really torn because they love their friends so much um and they've been friends, they've been best friends, like, for ages. Um, but they have a new girlfriend and it's, like, this clash of loyalties um, of, like, do I, like, I have, to go, I have to go with my girlfriend because she's my girlfriend and if that means the end of a friendship, that means the end of a friendship and it still sucks. But, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, I think one thing I was specifically thinking about in terms of Liam missing her is, you know, we see that conversation between them that is mo- more, most likely not just in Anna's head, um, where he says, you know, he's worried about her. Lexi was messaging her because she was also worried. You know, he kind of just really wanted her and Lexi to be able to reconcile a little bit so that you know, they could all hang out together and they could all be friends and their friendship didn't have to end. Um, yeah. Oh, that actually, that actually brings up another, another question in my mind, just going off of that. Um, in sort of, obviously we see sort of the, 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 the tearing apart of both Liam and Anna and, and I'm sure both are to blame to a certain extent. Um, but so, so how do, how do you sort of see that in your mind? Like how much of this is, is Liam choosing Lexi over Anna and how much of this is Anna not being able to accept Liam, uh, in a relationship with someone else? Um, I think, I think honestly, it's probably a lot more on Anna. Mm. Um, and like coming from a spot where I'm like, most sympathetic towards her she's like the main character she's my point of view character um but I think a lot more of it is actually on her not being stubborn and not kind of accepting this change Mm -hmm. um rather than Liam changing Mm -hmm. um and that if she found it within herself she could uh still be friends with him she could accept the shift and it's her stubbornness and her kind of um, fixation on what was that has actually led to the end of the friendship more so than anything he's done because he he hasn't really done anything like right. he got a girlfriend that's and it started happens. being a bit of a shit friend because of it like, <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah no totally yeah yeah and I feel like you know if it's easier for her to 
process this as thinking he got abducted by aliens and then died. You know, that means that she clearly is averse to change. <laughs> there are some um, things yeah. she might have to work out. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it turns out. <laughs> so probably my favorite scene in this play is it's towards the beginning, but it's when Anna and Liam are watching the scene from X-Files and they're kind of talking over the characters. I just think it's such a great slice of life moment. It really communicates their relationship well, you know, when it was at its best. Um, but it doesn't really have any exposition. So talk about your inspiration for this scene. Um, oh, God, what was it? it there was something... Oh. I can't, I can't even remember what exactly it was, but I think I saw a play or something that had something a little bit similar to it, um, like talking over this dialogue that was being presented. I was like, this play that I'm writing is super referential. Like, you can't write something about aliens without at least talking about the X-Files, and it's, like, quite heavily inspired by a bunch of different stuff. So I was like, I want to bring in the X-Files, like, straight up into it um, and actually, like, have it presented on stage so everyone in the audience totally understands exactly what we're about. Um, so, yeah, it was part of that. And also just the, the that first scene where they're meeting in the X-Files is really is so strong and it's such a good, part, like, bit of television Yeah, um, that... I, I thought it would just really round out um, at least the opening of the um, the play. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'd also kind of like to talk about, um, there's another part that is a pretty big deviation from the rest of the play, which is the autopsy portion. So Anna mm -hmm. is sort of, you know, she sort of just has this monologue where she's kind of doing a, a, a virtual autopsy of Liam. So what was your inspiration for that? Um, so the inspiration for that is um, I developed this um, shorthand for the feeling um, of when you see someone that you used to know um, but you aren't close with them any longer but you can still kind of recognise all their tics and all their, like, you still know them intimately but you can't use that intimacy anymore. Mm. Um, and I call it weird corpse because they're kind of dead to you in a way. Hmm. Um, and it's a weird sensation. So it, for me, it was like being like, this person is experiencing weird corpse. How do I like make that a physical manifestation? Um, yeah. By like making a really uncomfortable and like weird autopsy and, um, making him a literal corpse. So yeah. Yeah. Then just feeding it into the metaphor. Yeah, I, I really That's like great. that. That's I love so, that too. That's so cool. Yeah. Alrighty. That was our last question about the script. That was Streetlights. Now we have some questions for you, and we're going to start out <laughs> with a tough one. So uh, we get to hear a lot about whether Anna believes in aliens. So now let's hear from you. Do you believe that we are alone in this universe, or do we have some space neighbors that we haven't discovered yet? 100% we have space neighbors. Ooh, like, okay. Oh, I agree. A strong 100%. 100%. I love that. Yeah. Well, I just, I cannot believe out of the, the billions of planets out there that we would be the only one that has like some form of intelligent life. 
you know it doesn't make any sense exactly like, to think that we're alone it's the universe is so big it's like come on guys there's something there yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely so did you did this the, did this belief pop up before you started writing this play or did you start writing yes. it doing okay so it was before quick yeah. yes okay quick <laughs> the yes. inspiration it's, it's for it. like since since i was like 13 i believe the universe is too big for us to be alone basically um and then the x-files happened and i was like <laughs> yeah. It's like there it is. The X Files <laughs> was an awakening for you, yeah. Yeah. No, and and some people might say, might think of that as like a scary thing, but I don't know. I think it. I think it, it. It could potentially be a scary thing, and what a lot of movies tell us is it's a scary thing. But it also could be a comforting thing. You know, maybe we aren't alone in this universe, and maybe that's good instead of scary. You know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, Lord just gave me a look like, all right, <laughs> settle down there. So this script, of course, it has a lot of sci-fi elements, but I kind of, I guess, consider it to be a little bit more of a of a drama, just based on the the theme at its core. So, do you have a favorite genre to write in? Um, I think probably drama, um, and really exploring because like this is really exploring the loss of a friendship which is like a fairly like closed off thing um and I tend to like take small things like that and go into them and like expand them through metaphor and stuff so drama is definitely where I kind of lie cool yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I, and what's it like, all the, the the metaphors and analogies, all that you use in here, I think, especially as we talked about them more, really, really shone through and uh, yeah. really enjoyed them. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, some scary things happening in our world, I <laughs> guess. So um, obviously here, uh, California and in the States as a whole, you know, the coronavirus has not been handled in a great way, but nope. <laughs> uh, we just wanted to, to ask you how you're doing right now in all of this craziness. How How is Australia doing? And, like, how have you handled creating art during this sort of crazy time? Uh, well, I'm super proud. So today is Melbourne's 17th day in a row of no cases and no deaths. Are you, wow. So, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm shook. I I am I am I am of course very excited for you. Very excited for Australia, Melbourne, but also jealous. Also very jealous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it took us a long time to get here, but we finally got here. Um, so, but it's been really hard uh, creating art during the lockdown because um, theater here isn't isn't happening it just straight up isn't happening it's not even I don't know when it's on the horizon anymore so it's it's kind of creating art without a date or without a goal in mind because like when I wrote this I had a theater that I had in mind that I wanted to like present it at um and like so I had that goal and that drive pushing me towards it um and now there's just like nothing and I think the last thing I properly wrote was at I finished it kind of in April so like the start ish of the pandemic and everything since then it's just been bits and pieces because putting together something that I have to like think about zoom or think about like oh if this can't get presented in a theater how can I present this and yeah. so, so it's suddenly all these other if I want to make art in this COVID world 
I have to change the way that I make art. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's been really difficult to reconcile. Yeah, I think I think that's something that kind of gets overlooked because, you know, obviously and very validly, people talk a lot about, you know, just the mental health struggles that a lot of people deal with, uh, whether you're a writer, actor, whatever, just being an artist during this is tough in that way. But also, like you said, just writing and or, or creating something without knowing whether or when or if you will ever be able to present it to an audience. Yeah. You know, a, a, as much as we all love the process, it is it, it it's hard when you don't when you're not sure when you can, you can have a product, right. you know, and and so mm. having those two things having to exist simultaneously, I think, is, is very important in creating art. So it's it is tough. And I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, because like I said, I feel like not a lot of people talk about that aspect of it. But congratulations to you. Congratulations to Australia in in handling the coronavirus well. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll we'll get there soon. <laughs> hopefully we'll get there someday. Yeah. I feel like the vaccine will come first. <laughs> oh, it 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 one hundred percent will. Yeah. One hundred percent will. Yeah, we um. So there are a lot of other places in the country where they're less strict than L.A. County specifically, where we are. Yeah. But um. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I work at a restaurant and we're still, you know, only be, being able to serve people outside, um, only like six people at a time, stuff like that, which I think is definitely the right move. But, you know, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, well, over in Orange County, I can eat inside and I can bring 12 of my friends, you know, and yeah. it's like, ah. that's that, Those are our neighbors. <laughs> like, we, we need to take care of each other. <laughs> those you know? are the scary neighbors we need to be worried about. There you go. <laughs> really. <laughs> Um, actually, in, in having this conversation, it did bring up a, a question um, and, uh, you know, talking a little bit about that process versus the product, which person do you consider yourself to be someone, someone more focused, like on the process aspect of it or on like the product aspect of it? Ah, oh, that's so tough. Um, I think the process of this was really valuable to me, valuable to me, <laughs> Like, and it went through, I didn't write it in order. I kind of wrote the drama scenes together and then the, like, weird scenes together and then almost, like, printed them out and, like, jigsaw puzzled them together in a way that made sense. Um, So the final, like, I'm really proud of the final product, but it's also, like, the process was so involved and so rewarding Mm -hmm. that, like, 10 out of 10 I would write a play like this again. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of like your baby a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. You love love watching it grow. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it just I, took four years to make. Yeah, there you yeah, go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I always love that question. The first time I think I really ever even considered it was, or considered it seriously, I guess, was during a rehearsal my senior year of college. And um, d- during a play that I was in, uh, the Language Archive, Lauren, you, okay. you you came and saw it. Uh, our director, we had one of those rehearsals where it was it was very much very relaxed and and sort of a, a get to know you type rehearsal, like cast bonding, mm-hmm. if you will. And and she asked us that question, like which which do you consider yourself? And it, it, I think that is such a tough question. And and like in my mind, I feel like. The process is for me. The product is for everyone else. So mm. and so, of course, you know, like the doing it night in night out is fun, but uh, the the process is really where you get to grow as an artist. And I mean, you could even consider the the product itself to be a process, especially if it's theater, because you're continuing to develop and grow it. So I'm That's not true. really going to answer the question. Is what <laughs> I'm going to say is I'm going to sit on the fence. <laughs> there you go. 
So finally, this is our our last thing we have to ask you. I know. It's um, you've been like very concise, so yeah. <laughs> we're, we're thrown off guard. Oh, Are people yeah. usually no. no, 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 no. You're fine. No, it's been great. <laughs> no, it's been great. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. You might know this already, but we do a segment every week where we talk about a movie or a TV show that we've seen in the past week. Um, but we want to do it a little bit differently. What is your favorite alien or extraterrestrial related movie or TV show that you would want to recommend to everyone? Oh. Um. So I'm going to go a little left field yes, here. Yes, we love it. Because um, from what I know now, it's not a very good movie. Um, <laughs> okay. But Signs by M. Night Shyamalan was my very first exposure to alien movies of any kind, and it terrified me and fascinated me to no end. Hmm. Um, so that was like my like I was probably about eight when I saw it, and mm. if you've seen it or know it, you probably shouldn't show it to an eight year old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and like there are images from that movie that just stuck with me in a way that like ET never did. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. That's okay. great. I I love that, and like I think you know there there are some movies that you remember because they're good and there are some movies that you remember because they're impactful and i think both of those can exist and both have very valid reasons for existing and being so yeah. i really like that can i also can i give a second one? Oh my god i of like, course. just yes. remembered of course um scooby doo alien invaders yes uh, <laughs> that's so good balls to the wall banger of a film um yeah that is fantastic. Love it. I don't think God. we have anything else to say on it. Uh, <laughs> we watch a lot of Scooby-Doo in this house. We we've, do. we've watched a bunch <laughs> of the, the older Scooby-Doo movies recently. Yeah, yeah, we have. So we, we will have to add that to our list, actually. I don't know if I've ever seen it. but I've seen it, but it's been a long time. <gasps> yeah. I, I love I love this combination we have here: Scooby Doo and M Night Shyamalan. Yeah. You know, they exist in the same universe. I think they yeah. have to. Um, a couple of months ago, we actually watched uh, the original Alien movie yes. with Sigourney Weaver. Oh. Yes, we did, um, and it, it held up actually. It yeah, was, it really was really good. It. Yeah, really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. Well. Laura, that's all we have for you. Is there anything else you have for us? Do you do you have anything you would like to plug? Anything coming up in your life or anything like that? Um, I've got nothing to plug because nothing's going on in Australia at the moment. Um, <laughs> sure. But yeah. Also, no, I was going to say I've never seen Alien, so I wrote a play about aliens, and I've never seen Alien. Wow. So. Well, wow. honestly, you know, hypocrite. this hypocrite. time a couple months ago was the first time I had ever seen it. Yeah, yeah. So we're, but... we're only we're only slightly ahead of you, but still, <laughs> we will we will shame nonetheless. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's all that we have. Yeah. Am I correct, Lauren? I think so. Okay. So if you are interested in producing this script, you know, whenever theater comes back, or even if you're interested in reading it, uh, if you want to get in touch with Laura or read any of your other her other work, blah, 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 uh, her email will be in the description below. Yes. And I think without further ado, we can let you go, Laura. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. This was such a good time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.